Let me settle in. Let me settle in and get comfortable here. It is the mm-hmm. Halloween season, so take, yes. take of this what you will. Okay. Getting set, getting set up to start our recording, turning the lights on in the space that I record in, which I guess I can come clean and say that this half of it is a living room space within my bedroom, and then there's the rest of it. So turning lights on, off, and all that other stuff. I noticed something on the ceiling. I'm like, what is mm. what, 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 what is that? It looks like some spots on the ceiling. So I'm like walking around looking, I can't see it. So there's like just a certain angle that you need to be standing at. And I'm like, is that, that is what I think it is. So mm. call my wife up just a few minutes before we started. Is like, you got to come up here. Did quick. you say, honey, I honey, I need you to kill the spider for me? <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, you, okay. I was just like, I was like, all right, stand here. It's like, do you see those like spots on the ceiling? She's like, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it before. What are they? I'm like, okay, take a couple of steps closer and it'll come into focus of what, what exactly it is. She goes, is that, why are there footprints on our ceiling? I don't know. I have never seen (laughs) footprints on the ceiling. There are small, man, small footprints on our ceiling, like human, like shoes, human, human, no, 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 barefoot, barefoot, human, okay, Okay. footprints on my ceiling. Nice. There is footprints on the ceiling. So then it is my, the Halloween season, as you said. So my daughter who firmly believes, yeah. So if my daughter who firmly believes that our house is haunted came up, you know, she, she came up with the dog and she's like, you know, I thought you were recording. And so I was like, all right, stand here. She's like standing there. She's like looking at the little spots. I was like, see the little spots? She's like, yeah. Walk up a little bit closer. She's like, why are there? And then she just like looks at both of us and she's like, mm-hmm. Why? She didn't even, she didn't even have to ask. She didn't, she just she, said, yeah. uh-huh, told you. She felt justified. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to tell you guys. Wow. Like, so is there somebody walking? Because the footsteps are over our bed. <laughs> <laughs> is there some apparition mm-hmm. hanging over our bed i like this this is awesome i, I don't i mean i don't know like it's yeah, it's it is know. it's interesting i again never noticed it kind of i don't i'm not freaked out but i gave my analysis of what i think it is and i think they i think at least my wife bought it but my daughter looked at me. Okay, like, so, uh-huh. so what did what did you what was your your thinking? Although we haven't ever noticed it before, again, I probably have never really. I mean, we have been here now for a little over a year, and we didn't wow. really. And we have, and this is the first time that I've ever noticed it. So, is it new? I don't think so. Is it? Could it possibly have been? You know, the previous owners had. Uh, a bed in the same location because of the photographs that we saw, the bed was in the same location. Could somebody have been trying to do a handstand and putting their feet on the ceiling? Absolutely possible. Uh, and so that's my take on it. But because yeah. it's the Halloween season, yeah. you know, I could also like 
Okay, let's let's entertain the uh, the ghostly apparition kind of yeah. uh, feeling and. But it's your imagination. Uh, I like it. It's like I like it. I mean, this this house has been around for well over th- you know eighty years, eighty two years, and so because I still remember that math. <laughs> and uh, that's right, <laughs> exactly. And so, could could it have been like the previous owner? Sure. Um, I, I'm not going to go too far into what my daughter feels like the previous owner might have been. And I'm also not going to go into the designs on the handrails outside of my window. Uh, because if you saw the handrail design, everybody would know what my daughter feels like the Mm. ghostly apparition is. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And since it was bo- it, this was in 1941 in a interestingly um, supportive area of a certain movement in the world that was not favorable to the world. I think I've gi- given enough of it away to like. So cryptic. <laughs> she feels we have Nazi ghosts. Oh, like, oh, that's right. I remember that the handrail, the handrail yeah. photo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I want to share it in the show notes or anything, but it's a, yeah, handrail. I I, I was about to draw it and then I thought, nope. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> no, no, don't. Please don't. I don't right. want to. No. Well, no, this is a good opportunity no. to use this new, use my, t- yeah. No. Yes. No. <laughs> But it was funny because I'm thinking like I kind of almost drew it already <laughs> when I drew that pinwheel. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would have been the last episode. I got out of the house this week. I okay, so we're getting to the end of the year. I'm starting to get yep. emails about uh, continuing education. <laughs> right? Are you now? my my license? My license is up for Would renewal you? this year. It's an odd year. Yeah, it's the, it's how California does it. I don't know if it's like that everywhere, but it is where I am. And they raised the price. Did I tell did I tell you they raised the price on on Ooh. just the license renewal in California? No, but that's nice. It, you know. It went that's a, yeah, isn't it? That's a fine raise the price. <laughs> exactly. That's nice. Yeah, they didn't even ask me out to dinner. It exactly. was it went from 300 to 400. It's like for your date license yes well and that's for two years right so but still that's a lot no no that's a big jump this one that's a big jump two years (laughs) what my Mm two-year license Mm -hmm. 76 dollars and i think 100 so i can get my two licenses for less money than than it takes less than half You know, you could throw in like another state or two for me and I could still, you know, come out on top from all of this. Right. Uh, it's crazy, right? It's like, and, then and, it, and it didn't AIA just go fees. up like a nominal percentage. It went up a lot of percentages, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what? Uh, and, and and seriously, like, it's just to keep a box checked in a database, right? right? Like, right. as far as I'm concerned. And I they know. still, and, and none of that still like... There is no administrator that's like, you know, reviewing your continuing education or anything like that. It's no. just, you know, it's all hey, honor system. we've earned from this guy who wants to maintain his license X amount of money. And 
if we deem that we need to, him to prove that he's you know, done the continuing education, we'll audit him later. We'll I've turn the audit. screws. Yeah. Yeah. I've been it's audited twice. It's so. a captive audience. It's a captive audience, right? And you, what are you going to do? Like, right. uh, this is like one of those states where, okay, there is an extra exam. This is, this is not a trivial state, people. This is California. And you need to know who you're dealing with here. You, yeah. you don't let your California license go, I don't think. Right. I mean, no. I'm actually reconsidering it now. But, but if, I <laughs> wanted to, if I wanted to go back to California... For any reason, well, I'd have to take the supplemental exam again. Like, no, thank you. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so they know, they know this, they know they all know. this. Yeah. yeah it was Brutal. just like, okay, what is the, what is the hardest, what is the hardest state to get licensed in California? So if they, like, as you said, if they want to keep their license, they're going to pay whatever we want. We, we have now held them hostage. Right. And right. And, and, and there are so many people who are just like, I'm not going to, you know, oh, I'm not going to pay that. I'm like, but if you do, you have to retake, oh, I don't want to do that. So, okay, I'll pay you. It's, it's literally, right. it's like they hold all of the cards. They, they are yeah. the ones who are demanding that fee from you and you are willing to pay it. Well, so, so we talked about this before that the, there was the, the end carb thing, right? Where it's like, we're going to yeah. waive the. <laughs> the back fees, you, yeah. oh, it's just $250. And then it's like, uh, a lot of people probably did that. I did because of reciprocity. And, right. and so then they send out an email a few months later that says our renewals are going up. Right. And then I get this letter from California that says our renewals are going up. It's just everywhere. And groceries are 35% more mm -hmm. and gas and utilities yeah. Yeah. and everything everything is just be, you're just feeling it everywhere and everybody wants you to come back to the office right so yeah if you could spend if you could spend more time in your car more maintenance more gas yeah. more yeah spend more money to get to work exactly right? so that you can be more but miserable gonna, at work <laughs> realizing that you don't have you can't afford to actually go to work mm-hmm like, yeah. Like, yeah. So, like, so the reason I brought up this, this continuing education is because I actually went to my first. So I, I actually asked you, I said, Hey, what did you have to do to switch your local AIA? Right. Because it wasn't obvious. There, there's no, anyway, I found it. It's on the AIA's website. You can, you have yeah. to email them and let them know where you're switching from and to, and then they go yeah. through some approval process. And then they, of course they say, okay. Uh, and then I start getting emails from AIA Oregon. So we have like, we just have one state and then there's, there's a few re regions. We have like a, this big state, you know, AIA Oregon. Then there's mm -hmm. a couple of regions. And, uh, and so the Southern Oregon region, I guess, doesn't have a lot of participation. I mean, obviously we're more rural than the, the Northern Portland the side sticks. of things. I'm in the sticks. And, uh, and so they sent out this thing that, Hey, we're going to have a lunch and learn. And, and uh, okay, so when I was in an office, there was lunch and learns. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the time. For, all the time. And, and, and actually, so the reason I decided that I was going to sign up for this was because, okay, number one, I'm, I'm wondering if it's worth even keeping my AIA for the, for the following year. Cause right. you know, it's, it's a big expense, right? Uh, in addition it to is. the California license and now the NCARB, uh, you know, whatever. So, 
I, I want to meet the people around here. I want to see if if I'm going to participate in the AIA, right. lo, like I'm going to get it from the local. Like we go to the the conference, right? Uh, the the national conference. But this would be a place where I would have more interactions with people who are local. And okay, I'm going to meet. I want to meet the local architects. And so the, this email comes out. It's like sign up for this lunch and learn. It's at a hotel. It's like uh, I don't know, three miles away from me. No big deal. And I would love to meet architects in the area and just find out who's here. And then I get it. So I sign up like immediately and I get an email a couple of weeks later. And it's like, look, you guys, everybody said they want in-person events again and nobody's signing up for this. <laughs> and Jeez. so I'm like, uh oh, uh, maybe this one event that I've signed up for is going to get canceled. I thought that was kind of hilarious. Anyway, it ended up happening. I went to the lunch. Nine people showed up. The guy who gave the presentation was from Premier Sips. His name was Kevin. He's a super cool guy. He uh, said, uh, I had to buy 15 lunches at the, <laughs> the hotel. So they're like giving away lunches at the end. And and it, it's just it's just a sign of the times, right? It's like yeah. it's everybody's busy. I mean, when you're in an office... My, my wife asked me, she's like, why do people, go? it's like, well, they go for the free lunch. That's why people go, right? There, yeah, There is yeah, a, yeah. the lunch and learn thing is a, it, that's a thing, right? Everybody goes for it, the free it's, lunch. It's the lunch, not the learn. Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> How yeah. many people just grab the lunch and then duck out the back, right? They, they sign the paper, put their AIA number so that they get the credit, grab the lunch and walk out the door at <laughs> the back yeah. of the room. <laughs> Nah, no, we, we, we got a good we got a good system going on where basically you have to sit through the whole thing and then the guy we've got a list of like all of the numbers and the guy like checks off who's actually there whether it's do they go around the room like, at the end again and 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 see who's still there at the end of the presentation uh, he, he does a good job of of policing yeah. people He's like, you know, yeah, there's no, there is no free lunch. If you want that free lunch, you're going to sit through this thing, you know, which is good. Yeah. But I think you're bearing the lead. What we would like to present to you is the new president of AIA Oregon Boone, Boondocks chapter <laughs> because he's only one of nine people. <laughs> right. And they're just like, hey, uh, you're new. Do you want to do something? Like, sure. You want to join the AIA? You want to volunteer? You want to be part of this committee? You want to be part of that committee? Do you want to be on the board? Do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. You are. I mean, that, that might be happening to you in Detroit, but that's not happening no. to me here, at least yet. Well, thankfully, that didn't come into fruition where what you're talking about is some people were like, hey, you were interested in getting involved. We've got a uh, chapter leadership nominations coming up. And thankfully, there was enough people that actually are very active in AIA Detroit. And I was uh, speaking to one of them not too long ago and they're running for vice president and, and another guy, he's, he's got my vote, but he's very, very active. And it's, is really good because, so, you know, I've gone to a couple of different like seminar, like that, that my little nerd fest seminar for the code. And I've been to a bunch of things. And, and so what is very AIA Detroit seems very active and there's a lot of participation. It's not that big of a chapter. I'm actually kind of either surprised, dismayed. I'm not quite sure what the, the appropriate word is. But, you know, for the people who are there, they, they actually do get a bit of activity going on. 
And, you know, I went on a building tour and the building tour and all of the tickets were sold out because I was, went online to check to see if I could like add my wife to come with me and she, yeah, I couldn't. So like they were sold mm -hmm. out. So mm -hmm. that's good. That's good. I mean, it wasn't the, the big strong nine people that you had, that your chapter was pleading with them to please come. Yeah, they, they said before the pandemic, there was 25 to 30 people participating pretty regularly. Yeah. And so it's taken a lot of time to kind of build momentum back up. And and there's more people interested. Of course, the day that any, you plan anything is a day that there's going to be a certain number of people just can't make it anyway, right? So obviously, there's th that's going to happen. But still, they're, they're having a hard time building momentum once again. Do you know what your local chapter membership is? No, I don't. I, I mean, he just said know, because, that that's how many people participate. But I'm sh so it seems like the membership has to be bigger. I actually thought there were way less architects in this area, but there are a few firms. So it makes sense that there's everybody yeah. going to one of these is pretty much going to be guaranteed to be an architect because they're doing it for the CEs. Right. So. Right. Right. So how many did you get? And the lunch. Uh, an hour and a half. 1.5 CEs. Really? Yeah. My nerd fest was six. Well, yeah. you also had to spend uh, quite a bit more time there than I did, so. Yeah, but, you know. All day. Quality. Yeah. Quality time. Quality over, quality yeah. Time. Well, and quantity, I'll have to I was say. Yeah. Say, mine was both quality. <laughs> and I almost made that. It was just a quality over quantity. I was like, wait, no, I mm -hmm. had quantity too, so. But. Yep, yeah. So what was that lunch and learn? It was, it was about Sips. sips. It was about okay. SIPs. Have you ever used SIPs on a project? No. <clears throat> I mean, I've seen residential projects using the SIPs products. Um, I mean, honestly, a lot of our projects are, it's, it's all commercial. So like we're doing steel frames. If we're doing anything insulated as part of the exterior cladding, it's going to be an insulated metal panel rather than a SIP system or something like that. So I have always wanted to... Because, I mean, there's a lot of great advantages to, to a SIPs system. Just, it, you know, like, it, it, isn't, it isn't the system for what I do. I think that that's changing. I obviously asked the question because it was kind of residentially focused for this yeah. presentation. But it's, it's commercial as well. Uh, they're yeah. doing a lot of... They're doing a lot of multifamily, which you could obviously still categorize as residential. But yeah. they're also doing a lot of commercial with it. They're not doing mid-rise and high-rise, but you can mix it with structural systems. It doesn't well, you know, have so to it, just be self-supporting. So Right, right. You know, what's interesting, though, is so I've seen a lot of people do wood frame uh, commercial. I have never done wood frame. I've done wood frame residential, but I've never done wood frame commercial. I've done wood frame schools, uh, but not. I I've and and obviously a lot of steel frame as well, but, but never commercial. It's all. I've all renovated wood frame schools, but all of the additional like structure and things like that, you know, we actually went in like with, to reinforce some of the roofs to meet the current codes, especially in the particular zones we were in, we reinforced the existing wood frame with steel. And so, like, and is that, is that because wood is, I mean, is it a moisture issue more so on the East coast on the West coast? We, they still build a lot of stuff out of wood. No, because there's, I mean, almost everything in smaller commercial and residential 
and even multifamily. When I was, I see plenty here that is going up in residential, in wood frame. And then I've seen like on the, on the East coast, mid Atlantic area where there's plenty of moisture issues and things like that. They, um, they still build out of wood. It's just, I, I, I never have, I mean, I yeah. never have to the extent of, you know, maybe it's a CMU wall with, a, you know, wood trusses, things mm. like that. But, you know, that's not like, mm. you know, full wood framing. And so, like, I, I almost feel, sometimes I feel behind. It's like, you know, like I get schooled on, like, what the proper terminology of <laughs> wood framing yeah. is by watching this old house. <laughs> Instead of, like, what did you learn in architecture? Go, well, I forgot about it because I haven't really used that. So it's just it's just kind of interesting like path that I took is like I started off residential and when I was doing residential in Florida it was CMU block walls with wood frame you yeah, know, like wood right. trusses not even you know rafters it was just it was wood trusses and so then so that that kind of makes the detailing easy honestly um but then when I got to do actual wood framing, you know, like wood frame projects, we then ventured into doing the few, let's say, you know, like maybe like 10 residential projects I've done in my career. Most of them were either CMU mm -hmm. or systems built, prefabricated. And so I didn't even have to, like, I just gave them the design and the because, layout, of, yeah. and because yeah. of their system, they, you know, they did the, um, the actual details. It's all shops. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing, and I don't, I don't want to rehash the whole presentation, that's for sure. But the idea of wood framing having not too many changes over the last 150 years is kind of something we should be more aware of. And yeah. yeah. it's interesting, this ecosystem that we operate within in architecture and construction where innovation is really hard to get through everybody's it's how they do things we we do it the way we've done it right we right. train people the way that we've always done it and they continue it just proliferates on and on and on and i mean you you look at you can actually find photographs of projects from 150 years ago under construction and you look at it now and you you probably can't tell the difference right, right. of course there have been lots of innovations in small ways but like the general picture of it, it they look almost the same and right. and we have a lot of problems with sourcing good lumber nowadays yeah. Yeah. right it's, it's yeah. like you don't have old growth straight wood everything you right. know it's dry it's straight it's the grain is packed it's like nope now like i i know this because i've had a load of lumber de delivered from lowe's to do some remodeling and it's like 30% of it has to go in another pile. Yeah. Because yeah. It, 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 you can't use it. You've got to return it or it just gets, or it's job wasting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. Like, so I got to use it for just, blocking. If you can even use it for that, because yeah, it's yeah. going to push your drywall out. Right. And yeah. so it, it's, it is, it's a problem. And, and it's just interesting as a, I like SIPS is not new. I'm not trying to say that it is. It's just, it's different. And just so, I, I guess we should say what SIPS is, structurally insulated panel system. Yeah. And it, it's two pieces of OSB sandwiched 
on the outside of a layer of really dense foam on the inside and it's all glued together it's like a a very strong structural grade panel in the shear wall sense but also in the load bearing sense mm -hmm. and so it's it's like i said it's not new one of my professors from school built his house out of sips 20 years ago at least and they've been around for oh, yeah, that yeah. company i think yeah. premier sips has been around for 70 years so it's just it's funny when you think about building products from an architect's point of view, it's like we don't know what we don't know, and uh, so so you know if we're not used to something, if we don't know about something, how how do we even know to look for it? But but also it's then you then have to get approval for it when you get your plans approved because is the jurisdiction used to that? Like are they gonna throw up a red flag? And then you got to find a contractor who's willing to do something that they don't normally do. And you got to have an owner who totally sees the value and the benefit of it. And all of those things stack up and it makes it very difficult for things to change in our industry. It's, it's tricky, really yeah. tricky. As you're talking and I'm just thinking about like all of the different new housing constructions that I've seen so rarely do they use SIPs. And hell, I mean, even like the zip system seems like mm -hmm. people don't even want to invest in that. And so they feel like, you know, it's interesting that we, we have this conversation about all the different types of like building material out there and it's just like, oh, well, that's more expensive than, than this system or you're using that. And, you know, the, the, the first cost is so much higher. We but never, the operational cost is so much lower. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and that, and that's, that's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the conversation that we don't seem to want to have is like, okay, fine. It is more expensive up front, but. If you do the return on investment analysis and you start to see your operational, your maintenance and everything else, maybe it's not like a five-year return. You know, it might be a seven-year return or something like that. But if you're planning on this being a school system or things like that, when you talk to them about, like, say, you know, a renovation or a new building and you talk to, you know, we've also, we've always talked about like school systems like designed by maintenance. And if you really sit down and you talk about it, you're just like, but this product is so much superior to that product and you won't have to worry about the same kind of maintenance as you do with this. And this doesn't last as long as that does. It doesn't require the same amount of maintenance as that does. And so you now you can actually spend money on other things. And, you know, I, I remember having a conversation about like alternatives to VCT are, we love VCT, right? <laughs> we love, we love That's VCT. That's in air quotes. Don't exactly. forget your air quotes. Yeah, don't forget your air quotes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we were talking about all of these different durable, sustainable, and long-lasting materials. And it's just like, but that's not what our, our, our attic stock is. That is not our standard. And so when we finally, so one school, we finally broke them of the ha the VCT habit. And we broke that. And, and so, well, even existing stock, right? Attic stock becomes yeah. like what drives the material you have to use yeah, for yeah. The, the ceilings exactly. and the floors oh and my the carpeting. Gosh. And yeah, right. Don't get me started. Yeah, stop. Yeah. No, well, okay. So I got to tell you this since we're on this, this subject. It's like I got him started. Yeah. Here we go. You, you, got, you got me wound up. So <laughs> I'm touring. I'm doing a, an initial assessment of a high school 
that we're getting ready to do the um, you know schematic design on and start going through like these major renovations. Big, I think at the end of the day it was probably about a four hundred and fifty five hundred thousand square foot high school, mm-hmm. and so. You know, I'm walking through and I'm looking at all of the ceilings. They were, they're like, well, we're not really going to, you know, focus, you know, like we've, we're doing all of these like strategic additions. We're going to renovate this. We're going to renovate that. But this area right here, all it is basically patch and paint. I was like, but we're going to replace the ceiling, right? And they're like, no, no, we'll just replace ceiling tiles as needed, but we will replace the lighting. Okay, but why aren't we replacing the ceiling? And they're like, well, you know, we've got all of this attic, attic stock and all of this other stuff. And so and so I'm looking at it, and it's two-by-four acoustic, you know, lay-in ceiling. And it's Boeing. And, of course it is. And <laughs> so, you know, I'm just old, like... Some, some old stock that nope, didn't no, have no, no, the no, new no, technology. No. It's not even that. It's... they ter- Now, it could be that. Yeah, yes. But... So they turn off the air conditioning at set points, times in the year, and then basically keep it off during the entire summer. So during the entire summer, the, it, it's really, you know, it gets damp in there, humid in there. And basically the humidity starts to bow these, these, um, ceiling tiles. And then what do they do once they crank the ceiling back up? If the ceiling tile isn't stained, it's fine. (laughs) If it's stained from the, the summer, they'll replace it. And this is kind of like they're cycling. You're just like, you know, if you want you replace it with, you know, a better performing uh, tile, that's one thing. But if you are so destined to continuously keep turning off the um, the AC rather than doing, you know, a cost analysis of like, what does it cost you to replace all of this material because of the damage that's caused by the all of the moisture and humidity buildup within the the school schools? Um, plural during the summer wouldn't it be better to one you're you're doing a systemic renovation so it's going to include all new higher performance mechanical systems and you're replacing all of that stuff so there is no real reason for you not to do that but i think i've told this story or i think i I know i've told you this story about the real reason why they don't uh, they didn't want to change and and I, i hope that they have now but even in this new in that renovation, which was actually a really nice renovation, except for it had two by four ceiling tiles, which were not nice ceiling tiles. I don't like two by. I don't like the module. I mean, that's that's a designer preference thing. But from a sustainability standpoint, what is worse? Mm. Is it worse to run your air conditioning over the summer, or is it worse to fill up a landfill with ceiling tiles? Even if you like raise the set point during the summer, lower the set point, you know, in in the winter time and stuff so that, you know, you keep, it's, it's more about, in, in my opinion, it's more about dehumidification than mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. And in hell, you can even run dehumidifiers rather than, you know, than you could run the dehumidifications yeah. than the whole system. And they don't do that because they feel like the energy cost yeah. is, is greater but they're not looking at the cost of all the replacement materials. Yeah. 
their attic stock is going to run out. They're going to have to replace that. They're going to, you know, keep doing that. And if and you've the got labor, a 20-year-old And building, people you, on top of ladders yeah. and the safety yeah. and all of that stuff a- yeah. has to add up. I mean, and all you really have to do yeah. is look at the data, right? I, you, you could run some experiments, extrapolate the yeah. data out over a bigger time period and have some answers pretty fast, right? But but are people willing to do that? Do they actually want the, to, to be informed? Or do they just want to keep doing it the way that they've always done it? So to follow up on that VCT um, conversation, so we convinced them to do an MCT, you know, marmoleum, um, which was, you know, more of a natural material, more sustainable, and actually far more durable. So they decided that they were going to use that in this either didn't trickle down to the maintenance staff or whatever the decision but like I the original decision of that, that that's the direction you were going somebody yeah did, somebody yes. important didn't get wind of it that's what you're saying somebody important didn't get wind of it so okay. um fast forward to the tiles floor tile is in it's in <laughs> um they're they're get, they're getting they're getting ready to oh. they're doing all of like their final maintenance and all this other stuff to open the school and get ready for the new school year. And I get a phone call that said, we need you down at the school. We need you to explain what you need to go to the principal's office. I I was, (laughs) Oh no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was called on the carpet Mm -hmm. and they were just like, you need to explain to me, you know, you like, you convinced us that this was the right tile to go to. You need to explain to me why it looks like that. And I'm like, well, did you follow the manufacturer's maintenance? Why it looks no, like we've what? been using exactly. Did it? So there, was it was it was it was streaking the kind of like the sealer and all of this other stuff that they were using that they use all the time on BCT when they were running their buffers over. I it see. was burning I and see. it was like staining and all of this other stuff. It was because they were treating this as VCT, not as the tile that we use. And there is a completely different eco-friendly system that you need to do for maintenance on those mm-hmm. to clean those it's i mean different you really actually it is com- it is a completely different system and so since they have an attic stock of this type of cleaner and this type of sealer and everything else they basically ruined all of this floor tile by doing it their old way i is had that because to they answer. didn't realize that it was a new kind and they were i don't honestly oblivious to that or or was it, it that they were just it could have been but here's the issue the manufacturer of the tile had also sent all of the cleaning materials all of it, it didn't need sealer so there was no sealer for this but they were sealing it and in fact it actually says that it voids the warranty if you do seal it but oh, man. they you know and so they were sealing it. They were stripping it using the harsh chemical strippers that they used for VCT. Now, this is brand new tile. They didn't have to do any of that. Like it was the the actual, the contractor who put it down had it prepped and ready to go. But then the maintenance crew comes in and they do all of this stuff and basically ruin the tile, this brand new tile. Now, thankfully, they were able to salvage it without having to rip it out. There was a little small strip of, of area that they kind of like overly aggressively cleaned and, and sealed and then buffed and then burnt and just kind of, it's, it, when I say burned, it didn't like catch it on fire, but you know, like the buffer worked up enough heat that it actually discolored the tile. And so they replaced that. The contractor replaced that on their dime because. Wow. 
Yeah, I don't know why. I don't. I don't really. I, I no, honestly, to this day, don't know the because. Just because that was yeah. the right thing to do. It was business. the right. Honestly, yeah. it's the right thing to do. It, it was a CM that was a really good CM that works a lot in that particular county in that district, and so it was Above the right thing beyond. to do. But, yeah. but, um, but then we had to like go through and basically teach the maintenance staff. Oh, by the way, you have all of this new equipment. There's new equipment. There's new cleaner no sealant and they're like well how are we you know how are we supposed to protect this from dirt it's like you know that literally once you clean it all you have to do is wet mop it that's it that's mm -hmm. all you have mm -hmm. to do there is no harsh chemicals you don't have to go out and buy harsh chemicals you don't have to do all of that it's like but this is an elementary school and we set up demonstrations about how much abuse it could actually take and nobody believed us and so they they, they treated it like they normally did and they and it's just like, so it's kind of like back to this, like nobody tends to know what products are out there, what products can be done. And so when they continue to keep doing it the old way, so keep stick building things instead of sips or, or whatever else, you know, it's just because people don't understand like the technology that's out there, the advancements that are out there and reluctant is, oh, we've been doing this for 25 years. We've been doing this for 50 years. We've been doing it for this way. This is the way. This is the way. I, I think that. I think about students when we have a conversation like this and it's like, did yeah. you as an ever think that as an architect, you were <laughs> going to have to deal with teaching a maintenance staff the right way to take care of a product that they've never thought about before. Right. Because yeah. this is, this is what it's like to be an architect. Like, yeah. like, okay. I outlined using a new product from, you know, a practice standpoint, which includes risk management and mm -hmm. lawyers, Oh, you're going to use a new product that's a completely different building system? We'll see about that. And then you have to yeah. go through the AHJ. And then you have to mm. get it by the, by the contractor, somebody who's never used it before, who who is willing to hopefully do something. Obviously, if they bid the project, they're, they're going to be doing it. Uh, they're probably going to fight for something else and put you through the ringer if they can. But but eventually, maybe you'll, you'll get them to use it. And then you've got the staff to deal with. And, the, and then you've got the, the custodial staff to deal with. And mm -hmm. this is what architects are up against on yeah, so yeah, many yeah. projects. It's like how many times in a school project did you have this idea about a big glass wall that opens up that connects the indoors to the outdoors and you couldn't do it, number one, the budget. Number two, no one was going to open that door and then close it again, right? Because people <laughs> just don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and nobody's going to maintain the tracks. And it's things like this. Like, we can't put operable windows in a classroom because no one will ever open them. Everybody wants a completely automated system where they can set right. the thermostat too low or they can set the thermostat too high so that 90% of the people are uncomfortable no matter what. And and it's it's wild, right? The things that architects deal with when you're in these user group meetings and people are making decisions based on their own behavior and completely oblivious to how other people might care about something either now or in the future, right? It's only what matters is how, how they will experience it right now. I think it's, it's wild, like the kind of constraints and input that we have to deal with throughout this entire process. And yet here, yeah. we're, we're still up to the challenge. We're still yeah. taking these projects on. We're still trying to make yeah. a living doing this. And it, and it's, it just kind of shows, I mean, again, I'm talking to students, like this is what you're signing up for. And, yeah. and there's a certain level of 
masochism to it, right? Like, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. That, that this is welcome to architecture. I always think back to um, when I was leaving a site after being on the site all day, uh, going through you know construction meetings, uh, doing walkthroughs for pay applications, and all of these other different things, and had an, a recent graduate uh, with me. And as we were walking around, as we were leaving, she looked at me, she's like, I didn't realize that architecture had so much management component to it. I'm like, welcome. And holding, it's, it, yeah. it is a lot of, yeah. it's a lot of different things. I, I, it's not I can, just design. I consider us educators for a variety of different things. When I, when I talk about going through one of the current projects that I'm working on, where you know, now we have a user group and we're going through this process where we're talking to the owner group, we're using, you know, talking to the user group and they're asking for certain things and educating them on why we can't do some of the things that they want to do, but then also like offering up possible solutions or possible differentiations of like, okay, you could do this or you could do that, but you can't really do this. You know, does that work within your thing? And, and so there's this always this like education process that we have to like go through when we're talking about that. And I don't know how many architects feel like they're educators, but every architect is an educator. I mean, it's just like, well, why did you pick that product? And then you go through the education of why that particular product was used. What is the benefits? What are like, you know, some of the cons of it? You know, what are all of these things? And, you know, you go through and you like almost every decision that you make, somebody always questions that decision. And so you have to educate them on why that decision was made. And so like every little thing. Just like thing, when you were in school, when you're defending yeah. your project, right? You have exactly. to be able to explain why you decided right. to do the way exactly. that you did. Exactly. Yeah. I always talk about the why. The why is like, to me, it is the meaning of architecture. It's like every time we talk about, you know, like all these little things, it's like the feeling, you know, the emotion, the the materiality, the this or that. There is There was always a why behind it. If there isn't, it's extremely hard to get that decision to actually happen. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And yeah. so, right. you know, and, and so like I talk about, I mean, I don't know how many times I think it has to be that I, you know, like most people think I'm a broken record because I'm always talking about why I'm always asking why like, I literally had a, um, I like three of the different places that I've worked. I've had a, you know, like a Xeroxed big old question mark, just like taped in my cubicle or a little workspace or whatever. And people are like, what is that? Like always question like, why I'm, I'm the Riddler. <laughs> <why>. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, that that's great. I think I think that it's it it does carry on from school. It actually reminds me of when I worked at Apple for a little bit, and this idea of education. And I've talked about this before. Like Apple saw, it was very different from a. And this was two thousand six. It was before the the crash. <laughs> so I'm just trying to place it in the timeline. So it's it's not like maybe current Apple, but but I'm sure that they still operate around these principles. But the idea was that when a customer buys a thing a computer, an iPod, an iPhone, whatever it is, that's the beginning of a relationship. It's not, it's a, it's a relationship, not a transaction, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas you go to Best Buy, or as an example, back then it was very starkly different, right? Like if you wanted to buy a Mac at Best Buy, it was on the back shelf in the corner with the lights off, right? It was like, they weren't interested <laughs> in selling those because they didn't right. understand that the salesperson probably didn't understand it, didn't want to even try to sell it. So it became this thing where it was like, 
we want to control the experience for the customer because if you go to Best Buy and you buy anything, that's the end of the relationship. Right. You bought it, you're gone, you're out the door. Please, we hope you don't come back until you need to buy right. the next computer. Apple's outlook was like, no, we want you to love the computer, right? We want you to right. get everything you want out of it and more. And so how would they do that? Well, they offered courses. They had the Genius right. Bar, right? And they, so they had all these different things. And so to your education standpoint, right, your, your, the idea that you had about we, we educate people. It, this happened on a high school project. We did a green roof. It was a very small green roof because this was like a this just kind of nice little gem on the campus, right? Yeah. And we had to teach, we, the firm, had to teach the, the custodial staff, the maintenance staff, Mm -hmm. how to operate a green roof, right? Because yeah. they'd never done it before. Makes sense, right? But right. it didn't make sense immediately because the green roof died like immediately, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so it was like, we're going to come back in. We're going to build the training materials. We're going to actually go back up there and recultivate it. And we're going to work on it together. And we're going to make it successful because we want you to be successful with this because it is such a showpiece for this campus. And that's just one example. It just reminds me of that that thing. It's like, well, if you really want people to get what you intended out of it, if you want your design intent realized, Apple or an architecture firm, like you've got to help people get there, right? Because if you just assume that they're going to figure it out, yeah, they're not. So, <laughs> green roofs. That's that's a. It could be a, a completely different topic, a conversation, yeah. but everybody wants as a solution for sustainability or whatever, green roofs have become more and more prevalent in a lot of the different projects that I, that I work on. And, you know, most of the time they don't really understand them. They worry about maintenance. They worry about, you know, the longevity and stuff. Well, they, they're so, interested kind of, in the idea of it. They, they yeah. love the image of it and the perception of it. Yep. But then, like, that's where it ends, right? Because uh, it's but, not my job to take care of that. Somebody so, else has got to do that. So kind of back to that conversation that we were talking about on first cost and kind of like an investment uh, over time has a, a a different kind of, like, take up. So there's this one, um, there was this one f company that we worked with that specializes in green roofs. And, you know, not only do they help you design them, they help you work through mm -hmm. kind of like waterproofing details and things like that. Mm -hmm. But they are the actual like green roof company. And they actually sell as part of their service a maintenance plan where for 10 years, they'll actually they'll be the it. one. They'll be the ones to do it. <laughs> and, you know, it, you know, because it like takes a long time. It, it really does. You know, it's that, that first year plan the contractor it's, has it's to worry about the maintenance. It's insurance. It is. I it mean. is. Yeah. And yeah. gets to the point of it, it, they work with the staff, you know, like the maintenance staff and stuff like that, but they're the ones responsible for keeping it alive and keeping it going and all of that other stuff. But they're working with the staff, training the staff over a period of time so that when they take over, if they decide, you know, they could either easily renew it or take over themselves, but they're trained to understand exactly what it is. And larger uni universities and, and larger institutions are more willing to do that. We've got in Montgomery County, um, Maryland, where all of the K through 12 projects, I don't know if they still do it, but, you know, there was a time when they were, they wanted at least, you know, a portion of the roof to be a green roof. 
and invested that because you know of the sustainability and it was just like it was, there was a there was a whole like psyche behind all of it but why they did it but i mean they they invested in like this maintenance program and stuff and it was just like it made sense for them you know if they're gonna you know they do see the value of like the reduced you know um you know the the stormwater management the you know the reduced solar heat gain on the roofs you know and all these other things and reduction of overall energy consumption because your stuff's not working as hard you know all of these different things and they see that all of that is actually contributing to yes we're going to be paying a higher first cost for that green roof but because of all of these other things that are the benefit it makes sense let's do it but it's having, you know, it goes back to the, the education thing. It's having to go back and us do our due diligence and talking about all of that stuff and teaching everybody what we learn and, and the, the subject matter experts coming in and showing what they know and just like educating them on is this the right choice or not. And so to everyone out there, yes, we're educators. <laughs> Boom.